Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the audio podcast. Today we've got me, Alex, and super sub again, Liam. How are you, Liam? I'm very well. This has uh, become a bi-weekly <laughs> podcast. Um, can you get any closer? I reckon I closer. Well, just move your chair over. We, we've, we've tested this. I know we had some complaints last time because the audio was all whacked out. And the only thing I can think of is that we're too far away. It's going deep. Deeper, 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 deeper. So I apologise for uh, for the last last episode, but I've literally tried five different dongles, a hundred different combinations. We've been testing for the last half an hour. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, oh, I also want to say too, and I don't think it changed. We're at forty nine subs <laughs> subscribers oh. on YouTube. Just get someone to subscribe. Just make it fifty. One away. Just make it fifty. Half a century. How just. It's free. Just click it. Yeah, it costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. Just click you it. You don't have to watch it. <laughs> just yeah, you don't have to. Just click it. Just click so you get we get fifty subscribers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how long you've been doing it? Eight months. Yeah, that's that's pretty decent feedback from an unknown. Yeah, you know, podcast to take it from something from nothing to yeah. something. Yeah, it's decent. So just click it. Subscribe. Okay. So like, comment, share. The uh, the comments were good. We actually got um, I got some feedback on the last one, and um, I, I've addressed some of it, but I haven't I haven't messaged one of them back about the apps on the um, using the a web app as opposed to okay. uh, app development. And I'm the same as you. I've used the I use a um, password manager to run all my stuff through my web browser as well because I don't trust the googly doogly either if not we're on youtube which is owned by google um so yeah that, that's that was my response to that but my mate's app that he made I, I don't even know if i mentioned this but he made an app because we're sick and tired of the formula the one provided by formula one for the fantasy league right so he just made one on this site for free okay that's faster it um it updates all our scores so we can see at a glance it's easy to get into his app to see where our scores are than it is to go into the official one He's even added an RSS feed to find the the news, either all the Formula One news. So we can go, oh, like you just click on, like, open the app up, go to the news page, and it's got from like three different sources all the latest Formula One news automatically fed into it. So how do you do that for free? There's just an app. If you want to add some additional functionality, or if you get a certain amount of users, then you need yeah, to pay, you pay for, it. for it. Right. Yeah. But he just he knocked that up in like four hours. And it's got a chat feature, so we can chat when we're watching the race. Oh, nice. We can all chat to each other, and the, the the chatting is quicker than going through um your normal chat services. Well, I guess that's that's the world we live in now. Is you can really do whatever you want. You know, the resources are available for yeah. you to to craft what you need. I know that you and I have had this discussion before, and I hate being the like even now the frustration from just hooking these mics up. Whereas I, th- I think sometimes we become a slave to technology yes. when technology is supposed to be our slave. Yes. Until Skynet kicks in, they yeah. like they should be a slave to us. And when someone goes, like I used to hate in dealership world where you had some stupid workaround on the computer system. Oh, you, that doesn't work. So you've got to go around that way. And I'm like, well, can't we talk to the people that made this thing and make it work properly? Oh, nah. Like, it's just because no one tried. Well, I mean, uh, about... Five minutes before we started recording, uh, you all missed a wonderful spit the dummy moment from Alex when his beautiful, what is it, an analog yet also digital watch. Alpina watch. It's so annoying. I love the look of it. I didn't buy it. I didn't want 
a hybrid watch. I just like the look, right. so I bought it. Uh-huh. But it pairs, it's an analog watch, but it pairs to my phone. And it did not, and it wouldn't shut up. It just kept beeping. And my rational brain would say, hey, if you're a watch, right, and you can't find the phone that you paired to, just keep telling the time. Just keep telling the time. But does this tell the time? Nope. Nope. It reverts back to stock settings, 10 past 10. Just tell the time. And then it doesn't matter if you connect or not. I don't care. It was pretty close to 10 past 10 as well, so that would have been sufficient. Yeah. Well, what is it? Even a stop clock's right twice a day? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, sort it out. Now, we've got a couple of things that we want to talk about today. Uh, the I think the biggest news at the moment is the state of the crypto markets. Mm-hmm. An absolute demolishing. What did we drop? 50%? In the no, it was like thirty percent in the first drop on last week, and then like another fifty percent. Now it's huge. It's starting to recover a little bit, mm-hmm. and this is where this is where the uh, the true professionals and the ones with their heads screwed on correctly. This is where we thrive. Now, what I'm used to this. I've been through this before. So in 2017, I remember massive massive fluctuations and when i'd seen this one it, like a, i didn't even flinch well I, I think that's the problem with today's market is we've seen such a rise in people engaging with the crypto market but in saying that you've got a bunch of people who haven't been exposed to it before like you have mm. so this is the first time for them so this is where you get you know the the panic selling and things like that, where it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I've never seen this before. My portfolio halved <laughs> overnight. <laughs> overnight, you know. <laughs> the one, the big thing I take it, it, it's obviously people's attitudes towards it. So the the one big thing is like you, you were very careful of it. I think you're very aware of this. You said that your portfolio has halved. What most people, what fresh people say is, I've lost. Correct. You haven't lost anything. No. But a surefire way to lose? Sell. Sell. But I was even talking to my dad at lunch, and he's he's acutely aware of it now that Koshy said that Bitcoin's a thing. He's sort of aware of it now, and he kind of asked me. And I'm like, oh, my portfolio is down like $15,000. And he goes, oh, sell. Like, why? Why? And he's like, I don't know. And I just think it's interesting that that's the first... That's where people go. It's that fear. That fear kicks in and then boom, you make a rash decision. But it's funny that you see that in other worlds as well. So the biggest example that I see is deal or no deal. So people don't understand the concept of owning something. Right. I feel, and especially with crypto, because it doesn't seem like physical, it's not in your account, it doesn't seem real. Right. Because you'll see it all the time. Like someone will have like 30 grand offered by the bank yeah, and they might only have, you know, 50 on the board or the other one's 50 bucks yeah. and like, oh, but like I could, I could leave with 50. So you could also leave now with 30. Yeah. 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 But because that's not in there, like you own that 30. If you walk away now, that's. So yours. you're a profit taker. You're saying take the profit. Take profit. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't make, but the, the understanding like the psyche behind it is like, oh, it's not real. So I haven't won or lost anything. Cause you see them walk away with the 50 bucks and they're like, oh, but that was never real. 
like yeah it doesn't count yeah it's like yeah but that is real you had a thirty thousand dollar check and you You just made a bad play you just made a bad play and that's sort of i think the world that we're getting into with crypto is because a because people haven't been through it before Mm. and two because people don't understand that it's like real yeah potential money yeah so like if you just wait she'll go back up you know don't sell on a loss yeah, selling at a loss, the only thing it does is guarantees that. Yeah, you lost it. Yeah, yeah. But, so I'm, I'm holding, mm. hodling. Oh, yesterday. So it's the 23rd today. 23rd? It's the 23rd today. Yesterday was a significant day. Yesterday is Bitcoin Pizza Day. And that is where, in 2010, a guy paid 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas. And he put, a, he put a blog post out. I've spoken about this before, but yesterday was the actual anniversary. He put a blog post on the internet and said, I want two pizzas. Either you make two pizzas or you order me two pizzas, and I'm willing to pay 10,000 Bitcoin. Someone picked them up. I think they bought two Papa John's pizzas, delivered it to his house. He enjoyed the pizzas. That now is worth know, $500 million or something like that. And he's been interviewed a few times, and they're like, oh, you know, are you devastated, Rara? And he's like, no, like, you know, for me, that was, he mined it himself at the time, so it didn't really cost him anything. And it was... He, he's become a part of Bitcoin folklore. Mm. And also, he, he was one of the first people to really tangibly use it for something that wasn't drugs on Silk Road. <laughs> but I guess, too, like, you can't really be upset about something that you never had. Yeah. But I feel like in society today, we are. Yeah. You often... You, what if I could? What if what I if would? I what if I did? Well, it's it's the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about video games where people are like, oh, it didn't release today. It was supposed to come out today. I have to wait another month. It's yeah. like, but you don't know if it's like, you don't even know if it's a good thing yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have it. Yeah. So why be, why be upset about this potential? Yeah. You know, live in the moment. Live in the moment. And it that actually draws back to the crypto market stuff is like the amount of people that I speak to that, have that attitude or or I've lost or or I sold and then it went up and they're devastated by that. And I'm like, you're actually recognizing the negativity you're putting on yourself Mm -hmm. for no reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you've made your decision, live with it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and learn from it and don't, I often feel that people are not assessed, like they're not collating the right data in these markets. And, and I think people don't think that their attitudes are a factor. But it's all attitude. It's all attitude. It's all attitude. If you if you keep your head screwed on on straight, you can make mega mega mega. If but if you get heightened, if you are if you are anxious, if you are you know checking that portfolio for five minutes, not only are you going to do yourself some psychological damage, mm. but you're going to make a rash decision that's not based on any any sort of fact. No, and it, it is it is just like every other market. It is based on basic principles, but everyone <laughs> seems to forget that and just you know go with the heart yeah they get get stuck in that moment and i think what's look what's what's not helping and look this is this is a a a double-edged sword it's weird seeing it's weird seeing it differently in this cycle to last cycle where there's so many more people into it now and the ability to broadcast your trades is larger than it was before so in a way it's more dangerous now because people with even less of an idea are in it. Mm. 
But at the same time, I like that more people are adopting it and, and picking it up because it, to me, it still is the future. I don't think it's going to replace money, but I definitely think it's going to become 20, 30% of someone's portfolio, financial portfolio going forward. You know, if you want to hedge against the dollar, you can go buy gold, you can go buy silver, or you can buy property, or you can buy a digital asset, you know. So I, I like it. This stuff is, this, this correction that we've had is so normal. It's so normal. And, and I remember the feeling of much bigger corrections in, in 2017. And you just wait it out. Just wait it out. Put the phone down. Close the Binance app. It's, it's funny in the way that people don't see it the same as any other business. I mean, we get businesses valued every day. Mm. If you look at a more stable market like stocks, where you know companies come in and evaluate your business mm. and then give it a value, mm. it's the same with the crypto market. But a lot of people don't look at it the same way. You know, you will get corrections and things like that, yeah. and it's again normal. But I think again, like I said, people don't seem to think of it the same way as standard stocks and shares. Yeah, they think it's fancy because it's magic internet money. Exactly. But these corrections too, you also have to think like, so what causes a correction? Correction is just more selling than there is buying, mm. you know, at, at, at its core. When you see red, red is selling, okay? So these red candles that, that are popping up, it's purely just people selling. And a lot of people, most people have made money because right. it's in, you know, it's in the heights. So, so it's, to me, it's not, it's just another, it's just another stage. It's just another that's it. You know, yeah. with any correction, it usually just creates a new bottom for it to go back up. Yeah. And the bottom's usually higher than it was previously. Yeah. So that means your new highs are higher. So Have I told you my theory about the difference between investment, uh, like investment gains and gambling gains? No. So I have a theory that, so again, I'm not a gambler. Jason is a gambler. But I don't think... Winning, winning in gambling is worth as much as winning in investing, and I'll tell you why. How many times has someone struck it rich on the, or, or got a great trade on the stock market and bought everyone in the bar a round of drinks? Whereas, how many people have hit the special features on the poker machine and gone, yeah? So let's say you make a dollar, you make a dollar investing. You're happy with that result, and you're probably going to try and make another dollar. Mm-hmm. If you make a dollar in when you gamble, you think that's free money, baby. Forget everything that it, you've put into it. That's free money. You'll spend it more flippantly because that there's a weird psychology attached to gambling winnings as opposed to investment winnings. There is, and I think it's because it's unexpected. I think when you invest because there's more thought put into it, there's an expected, somewhat of a respect, expected mm. return. Whereas pulling that lever, we don't know which way it's going to go. Well, you're expecting a result because you're sitting there. But I feel like it's, you're usually expecting a loss. I don't... No, you and I would. <laughs> That's true. We, yeah. we may be different to the most. Yeah. But surely... Oh, see, this is the thing. Surely you need to understand that if you spent five hours at the pokey machine 
some form of data collection has to be going in saying, I'm not winning most of these punches. Yeah, they don't think... I just don't think they think like that. Gamblers don't think that way. No. But they would think, okay, on the, well, I've done five hours and I've, I've done my ass in five hours. It's the sixth hour that I'll get my return. Well, it's funny because aren't pokey machines paid out like it's random? It, like once it hits 30,000 spins, it pays out regardless of who's on it. So There's a ratio of win to loss. So it could get to like... 29999 someone steps off the machine you step on it spending that 30,000 yeah. time and it'll pay out I think that's why people don't leave their machine yeah yeah just waiting for it because it just that builds their odds where I guess if you jump on every other machine you don't have the higher chance of getting that spin do you know that Australia's got the worst pokey odds winning odds in the world as in payout or the amount pay of people out. playing no payout so so they, there is a uh, minimum acceptable level for payouts okay. in legislation. So and we put it right on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we weren't we weren't the highest of the lowest. Sorry. And then something I remember reading an article about it. And it was like when I think when clubs like RSLs and surf clubs were allowed to bring the pokies in. Right. We want to rob the old people. Correct, yeah. And that's when the government went in and said, hey, like, let's just wind, you know, wind the wick up a little bit. It used to be sort of un... Um, like, there was no rules behind it. Right. And then they said, no, they, they realised they had a big problem. So they actually put minimum standards, but our standards... So if you go to Vegas, you will... you Statistically, you'll win more money in Vegas than you'll win here on the pokies because it's built into the, into the system, the win ratio. Now, in saying that, would you say that that's because the population difference? So, America's got what? Like 330 million people? Yeah, how many has Australia got? 26 million? Yeah, okay. So, so we have to make our money back? <laughs> well, if you look at the profitability, like if you, if you look at the same ratios of the amount of people playing, you've got a lot more people playing the machines in America, just purely because there's more people. So whilst it may be paying out more, it's also bringing more in. Yeah, I think that's a byproduct of it. I don't think that's how it gets there in the first place. I think it's purely just greed here. You know, someone, a, a surf club realises that they... First can... America, the greediest place in the world. Yeah, yeah, but they... I don't even think you're allowed to... No, what is that stat? Oh, no, do you know you're not allowed to buy a lottery ticket? In Nevada, it's illegal. Really? Yeah. So people have to drive. There's a news agent on the border of Nevada and Colorado, mm -hmm. Colorado, and they drive there just to get a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. So there's these. So there, there's these weird rules. But yeah, you can you can play any other. You can also do heroin over there legally in some states. So I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. But no, I, I think that it's a little bit of a greed function. The idea that you can have. Uh, you know, an RSL club could put four machines in and become massively profitable. And there's uh, there's probably a point where it's like, it's not worth it. But no. I hate them. I think they're disgusting. I'd rather spend all that money on Daytona USA. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange... It is a very strange concept because I have been in the casino a few times, but I've never put any money in. The only thing I would put money into if I did go to a casino would be some form of card game like poker yeah yeah because it's a bit of a theater like you you're paying for a well poker you can actually win 
because that's a game of deception, more or less. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. can be lucky and get good cards, yeah. or you can also bluff. Yeah. So some ownership is on you. Yeah. Whereas if you're playing any other game, it's luck, more or less. Well, I... Lo- I mean, I don't mind paying... Like, if I go to a casino, I might have a punt. Like, I might, I might say, okay, I've got $100 that I'm, I'm going to spend on, on some stuff. But I'll never put it on the pokies. Because, po- like, I'd rather play Call of Duty if I wanted flashy, you know, screen lights. Then... But the card thing, you know, you have a croupier there and have a bit of that atmosphere. And I kind of get that. And I, I kind of get... Oh, the way I see it is I'm paying for the privilege to play. Yeah. And, and I... I don't go in there going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make money. I go in there because I know I'm gonna get no, fleeced. I'd like to play the game where I have the best odds of making money, or at least getting it back. Well, yeah. So okay. So that's where I. Th- I'm like, if you want to play a, if you want to play a machine that's going to make like definitely give you something, vending machine. machine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put two dollars in, get a coke. Yeah. Um, I'm very much like that. And did I? I remember the moment. I remember the moment where I thought I'm not a gambler. I went to the casino one night and they're on that chocolate wheel, you know, you spin, spin the, spin the wheel, yeah. right? And I threw a hundred dollar note on the, on the table and probably 10 other people did too. Mm. And the croupier had like a square piece of perspex, mm. clear perspex, and literally just scraped the money up and jammed it into a, into a slit in the table and it disappeared. And in my head, I went, I worked for that money. Yeah. I worked for that. And, and, and she literally just fisted it away, like so. And, and then I'm like, "This is madness!" Like I've, li- I've, I've just gone and handed them this money. Well, no one seems happy on the machines either. Like if you go into a casino, it's not a happy environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're walking through a dimly lit room, purposely built that way, so you don't know what time yeah, it is. Yeah. The people who are punching, they're not sitting there with grins. No. Like that's yeah, I that's something else. It's not me. And look, a shout out to any um, pokey people out there. But you know, there's other things that you can do. <laughs> Go download Call of Duty Warzone. And it's not to say that you don't feel you know tension or fear investing because your investments can go down too. Yeah, for sure. But it's uh, it's a lot safer than just chucking pineapples through. Do you think, okay, that's funny. Do you think there could be a business model there where you could have a bar that's open 24 7 when you could go and punt on markets? You buy shares, buy shares and stuff, pissed. Pissed? That's interesting. Well, we do it, okay, so we can't say, oh, you know, that's irresponsible because we do that with gambling. But what if you came home and went, oh man, I just bought, I just bought. Uh, Stockland stock last time. <laughs> I think it's a different class of people. Are you going to get the same crowd? Are you going to get people that are going to go in there pissed at three o'clock and bet on shares, buy shares? But we don't know. We don't know it's what's true. there because we, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. So what would you call it? So it's not a casino. What would you call it? A stockino. You want it to be close so that when... Because how everyone... Well, how I usually end up at the casino... That's it. That's it, right? So, so, you know, when you've had enough or you've just been kicked out, it's 12 o'clock or something and and the the place you're at is sort of walking people out and then they go... The the best place to go is the casino after that because it's open all the time, right? So you need to be open 24-7 and you need to have a name that sounds cool enough that when when someone 
uh, uh, floats Yodi. Everyone's like, yeah, Stockino. Stockino. Let's go to the Stockino. Let's go to candles. And imagine pulling the tickets out of your what, the pocket. Oh, no. I bought, you know, what's a bad company? I bought Blockbuster. I bought Blockbuster <laughs> shares. Damn. You know, I got... I got uh, I don't even know the terminology because I, I don't go out on big gambling nights when I make uh, make a loss. But those have you seen the vending machines for like Video Easy where you can still go and rent? Yeah, that's wild. That's insane to me. Yeah, who's still doing that? And who's picking the movies to put in? Like that's someone's job. That's someone. <laughs> that, that's someone's job to source the DVD. Where do you even get DVDs from? JB Hi-Fi, I guess. And yeah. then you need to put them in a vending machine for Karen, well, who I assume is the only person buying these. I think I saw the guy delivering the videos. He wrote a penny farthing in. Yes. Yeah. And he had, he had a whole, uh, you know, a top hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Smoked a cigar and he was putting DVDs in. You know, that's how Netflix started, right? Netflix was a... So you would you would um, fill out a form with, the, with what you want and they'd post you... A DVD. Right. Yeah, that's that's how Netflix started. How did, the, how did the penny farthing start? Who came up with the concept of an eight-foot wheel next to an eight-inch wheel? It was the gearing. The reason why the wheel had to be so big was because if they, they, couldn't, get, they couldn't get it to go fast enough because they didn't have the gears set up. So they just put a massive wheel on there and it was geared quite high so they could go high speed. Yeah, I don't think you want to go high speed on that. Stopping's not brilliant. I think stopping means you have to get off. Mate, it was in the 20s. What are you going to crash into? A horse, which could potentially kill you. So I, I sold a car to a guy who was almost a centenarian. This is when I was in Sydney. He'd be a centenarian now if he's not dead. And he lived in Sydney in the like 1910s, 1920s. Right. And I was like, oh, at least you could get a car park then. And he goes, no, he goes... He goes, Sydney has never changed. In the 1920s, when my dad would drive... We had a car you drive around, you couldn't park anywhere because the horse, they had the horse, like, not stables, like a, where you tie your horse up yeah. out the front. So he would drop, he'd drop my mum off and then just have to do block after block after block after block, which is the same as what you have to do now. So he's like, it's, in a hundred years, it hasn't changed. <laughs> it's, good, it's a good era though. I mean, probably before the 1910s, we had too many rules then, but if you go into like the 1800s where you could just shoot someone, if you had a discrepancy, a yeah. Meet me outside at 12. So is that the strap that you want? Because I like the... There was a Greek one. So in ancient Greece, there was a terracotta pot in the middle of the town square. Okay. And you'd write the name of someone that you didn't like uh-huh. and you'd put it in the pot. And at the end of the month, they would empty it out and whoever had the most amount of votes was told to leave the town. Really? Yeah, what a great idea. Couldn't you rig it? Or is there someone monitoring the pot? Because couldn't you just write Alex... 50 times. No, I think they'd know because there's more people. Oh, there's... Plus, it'd probably take time to, like, carve it into the stone. Yeah, yeah. Why have you got this terracotta pieces factory going on? <laughs> because Jeff's a dick. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, point out. Yeah, so I, I thought that was... I thought Actually, that brings me on to something else. Because I think... So that, that scenario is great because there's only so big a cohesive society can be. And yes. there are digital examples of this. So I don't know if you know, but are you following that chat group, that telegram group for the the 
um, crypto bot? No, I have it, but I don't really follow it that okay. much. So it had like 80 people. Great community. Memes all the time. Great banter. Then it got like another 30 or 40 people have sort of hit. And now there's some bad eggs coming in. Right. Really aggressive. Want to fight. And sort of upsetting. And... Ruined. Yeah, right. But but what are we supposed to do? It's digital. We should just be able to like kick them out, and then you know, is that the right thing to do? Now we're happy. The the main majority of users of the, of, of that chat group, we're all happy. You know, that person that's having an aggressive time is probably not happy, and they're probably not enjoying it either. So do they just go and find a happy space? Should it be acceptable to to uh, be ostracized from a group if the group if you're not cohesive with that group? Traditionally, I think cultures worked better when you could do that. Mm. However, in the PC generation that we live in, we can't send anyone away for anything. You can't. You you just can't say it. Yeah, I think there is... There are some studies that do correlate with population size and happiness. Mm. You generally find towns with less people in them are happier. Yeah. I mean, like, the biggest problem that they say with Los Angeles, which is supposed to be where dreams come true, mm-hmm. is traffic. Yes. No one can get anywhere. They, yep. all, they hate it. Yeah. You know, so there, there is definitely some correlation with, you know, the amount of people that we're involved with. I think it, it just becomes unmanageable. Unmanageable, I think, is the key because, and, and I think social media is a perfect example of it, is because we put everyone together. Mm. It like the entire world on one platform and said, you know, does this work? And I don't think it does. Well, this is the other thing too. They say that opinions online are only, it's only generally one person's opinion and then everyone else echoes it. So if you get someone talking shit on someone's post, mm. that's one person's thoughts towards that post then you get everyone pile on that's usually just an echo of that one yeah statement so you don't generally have a thousand people telling you you're a piece of shit you've got one person and then you've got a thousand people who just like to follow along Yeah, yeah yeah but that again if your population size isn't that big you've only got Terry calling you a piece of shit yeah you can just tell Terry to fuck off yeah 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 yeah. that's problem solved yeah yeah it's I think in my social media experience, I think I've realised that the small, not the, the smaller the group, the more cohesive. Yeah, generally. And that's why I don't really. Yeah, I, I've said it a thousand times. Well, you can don't only, engage on posts. You can only make friends with. I think it's like ten people. Yeah, I've heard some stuff. I think you can only be like close friends with like five. Because you just can't handle, you can't handle any more, I guess, like emotions towards the greater population. Well, I, no, I wonder if you're, if something in your psyche or your mentality, when you pair it with a friend, it's not necessarily, it's, it's not, maybe you're filling certain buckets, empty buckets in your psyche. So you might have a friend, cause like I've got a pretty diverse range of friends. Like I've got, I've got friends that could never do this. I've got but I don't expect them all to. I've got friends that, you know, I love to do car stuff with. I've got friends I love to do the crypto stuff with. I've got friends that I love to do the business stuff with. So, you know, is it like once the buckets are full, mm. well, you don't need any more. You're just surplus to requirements. Probably. And it, it could go back to 
tribal instinct. I only need 10 people in my tribe to efficiently do everything I need to do. Yeah. I only need three hunters, three gatherers, and three people to make sure that the homestead is safe. And anything else is waste. Anything else is waste. Yeah, I and actually... I have to gather more food. I now have to yeah. have a bigger civilization. Yeah, so I think there is a bit of that. So then, okay, so a lot of young people, not just young people, but this striving for large social uh, followings, is it a toxic thing? Or is it just finding your audience? I could never understand people who want to be in charge. It's like world leaders. Mm. or And that was something I could never connect with, like in movies and stuff like that. You'd have this, you know, the arch nemesis or, or whatever, Dr. Evil and James Bond and stuff. Mm. What, what's the goal when you own the world or a country? Like, what, is that responsibility? Uh, I, no, I get it. So, so the way I think someone gets to there is, is usually someone with a very clear picture in their mind of what they think the future looks like and also a very good way of selling that vision to people and also a very good organiser of people. I think if you break it down, that's what the great leaders are. Here's a vision. Do you, if you see my vision, th this is what I think you should see. If you see it too, then follow me. And if you're a good organiser of those people, you can achieve a lot. And you can achieve a lot more with people behind you than yeah, you can you without. Don't talk to a lot of people. I don't want to talk to a lot of people. Not necessarily. Like if you're these good organisational structures, you just you've got you know the cascades down. You've just mm -hmm. got the one or two people that that it make you make them responsible for certain aspects of, of life or business and then and then they, they've got their team and their team and their team and their team and, th and that's how you do it. You know, for Elon Musk is a great example of someone who now works a 20-hour day or something insane, but he's got more on the go than what most people have. But he will also encourage his teams to do what they need to do to get done. Yeah, and I think that's, again... It sounds bad, but that's why we still have modern day slavery. Sometimes you do just have to do what you have to do to get things done. This is why you have the factories making yep. phones and things like that. You know, you got to do what you got to do. We yeah, can, but we also can, we can achieve things humanely, but it will take far longer. Uh, I don't think. I don't think we. I don't think we ever will. No. Because it's not profitable. Well, it's we not, like money. Yeah, and and a lot of these people that want fair trade and equal rights and all these social justice warriors, you know, if they if they're doing it on an iPhone, you're profiting from it. So you know, and there are phones. There, there's a phone called the oh, I've forgotten the name. There's an ethical phone out there. Yeah, I think I, I read that too. Yeah, it's it's fifteen hundred bucks and it sucks, mm. but it's made in a it's made in Scandinavia somewhere. It's, you know, it, they've, they've used no cobalt from Africa. It's all from Australia and places like that. And there are options out there. No one's going to use it. No. You know, so, so, and that's why I'm, oh, there's also another argument too, that if you, if you take away that, uh, that industry off a developing nation, then they've got no chance. No, well, I mean, that's a discussion that we've had. If you solve the world's problems, you don't have companies to solve the world problems. 
you, know, you take away those industries. So, well, you, well, and you create problems that you don't know about yet. So, if, like, for example, if everyone said, "Okay, we're not going to use Chinese labour anymore because we're not happy with with their working conditions," well, then what do they do? Well, that's it. And if you think about, if China's a great example, look what economically, look how they've moved. Oh, great! It's all in house. Well, no, but it's not. It's 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 all it's, it's all in. Yeah, the money is all in, and their people have massively benefited from it. A great example is when you go on an international holiday. So, you know, ten years ago when I went internationally, there was no Chinese tourists. No. Now they're all Chinese tourists because they've got more money now than they've ever had before. Heaps of money. Yeah. So now you could you could quite easily say that like they have gone through some of the worst. Uh, working conditions, if experienced one of the worst working conditions, mm. for a period. But for in period. our generation, they have gone from a, I don't want to say third world country, a two and a half world country, to the an economic superpower. Yeah, and whilst it is all in house, that's the benefit because you have situations like we're in now, where we're cut off from the rest of the world, and Australia doesn't make anything anymore. Yep. You know, we're screwed. Yeah, we've not thought... We've not that thought... No, that's it. Not thought about that. No, it's, you know, we've got too much barley. We produce the wrong things. (laughs) Yeah, and our dependence on one market is concerning to me as well. So the fact that, you know, I know businesses that everything they produce here goes to China. Mm. And then you're like, okay, so if China turns the tap off, then what? Mm. You know, so you should be, just like our our stock portfolios, you hedge. Okay, so so it might not be the most profitable thing to do right now, but we are protected if things change. And things can change and things will change. That's a mindset that a lot of people don't look into though. And I think that's another issue with the crypto space is people aren't willing to plan ahead slowly. Because mm. that's the biggest thing that we've seen, even, you know, I understand the memes but the most broadcasted meme in the community is where's my Lambo? Yeah. 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 But that's the mind- moon. <laughs> but that's the mindset. It's like, oh, well I bought $600 worth of this coin. You know, why don't I have 10 grand yeah. in, in my account? Yeah. A lot of people aren't willing and you see it in the workplace as well. A lot of people make bad decisions in the workplace because they think, oh, well, this will get me to... Instant gratification. Yeah, this spot now. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's not going to get you to where you want to be in 10 years. You really need to be looking ahead. So I also think the problem with a publicly listed company is that that forces that attitude because they want... A shareholder wants the money now too. And now you've got all these people involved that want a ret- an instant return. So that that tends to make businesses not, not so much think about the future... You know, the banking industry is a great example. They're all they're all publicly listed. A new a new CEO comes in. Best thing to do: increase your profit margin by shutting down, like just sack a whole bunch of people. You've moved the you've moved the needle. It's not sustainable, but it doesn't matter because you've created a better return for your your shareholder, and then you get rewarded for it. And, and that system does not allow you to be uh, conscious of of what the future looks like in, in, no. in, in your markets. But I'd be hedging. If, you know, if it was me, I don't, I don't want to just rely, like even in my business here, I don't rely on an income only from, from this business because, you know, this is up and down and, and you need to have incomes from other, from other areas to, to supplement it. 
And I would be thinking that too, if, if you have one customer, you know, what happens to that one customer? If you've got 10 customers, if something happens to one customer, you're fine. Mm. But I think you're also willing to grind it out. You know, you, you're aware that it's not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So you, you know, you will diversify, but you'll do it gradually. Yeah, you it's know, not a lot of people, it's, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. I, honestly, in my 20s, I was like that. In my 20s, I just thought I was so, I just wanted to get to the, like the top as fast as I possibly could. And it wasn't until I really hit 30. And it was funny because after my, I had not planned anything after 30. And when I got 30, I I wavered for like two years because I didn't, I had no direction. Mm. And now, you know, I'm 34 now. Now it's like, okay, these things take time to build you know, and, and I'm, I'm far more patient now than I, than I ever was. I feel like that's just a maturity, a maturity thing. Yeah. I think there's two things that I think a lot of people should do, especially if they're younger. One, source yourself a mentor mm. and it can be from anywhere. Mm-hmm. It can be an older sibling. It can be a parent. It can be a friend. It mm-hmm. can be someone you work with. Make sure that that mentor is a sensible person yeah obviously yeah yeah my mentor he lives in a he lives in a uh, (laughs) bus stop yeah but he's doing his own thing (laughs) (laughs) he is doing his own thing yeah yeah (laughs) no but and but also observe everyone yeah everyone yeah observe the ceo but also observe the detailer yeah yeah you can learn from everyone yep and I feel that that's something that's... I feel like a lot of people at the moment are in their own world. Mm. Like, I need to focus on me and what I'm doing. Mm. And I need to generate a result by myself. It's like, you can pinch ideas yeah. and, you know... Experience. Experiences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have a million experiences and you've done none of them. Yeah. Follow what other people have done. They've done it for you. Why... But, you know, why go to Antarctica when you can look at pictures that someone else has has taken? I I can give you a little example. So I've got a friend I've known for many, many, many years, and he's he's older than me. He he listens to the show too. And when I was like 18, we're talking about politics and voting. And I'm like, I don't care, you know, who, you know, it doesn't matter. And my vote's worthless. And he said to me, with his with his wise wise mind he's like one day you will care and he said nothing else and then we're only talking the other week and i'm like massively engaged now and he was right and that was he had seen that 15 years in advance he's like you will one day you'll get it and he wasn't in a rush to force that down my throat no he knew it would take time that's that's usually the the best lessons are something that you get from somewhere else but then discover yourself mm. whereas if it's just ran down your throat you usually you know you want to do the opposite yeah you know, i don't want to listen to this bullshit yeah <laughs> i find that yeah i find that so funny when like you know this you and all your friends have told this one person the exact same thing and i think you almost get to the point where you're resistant to it because people have told you mm. you're not going to do it purely to spite but in you're only spying yourself because you're only hurting yourself. And and a lot of decision-making, it's funny that you said that a lot of people focus on themselves. They are, and you don't know what you're doing. 
And also, because you don't know what you're doing, you're worried about yourself. And you're worried about yourself because you don't know what you're doing. And there's this negative feedback loop. Whereas if you let someone that's impartial to your situation to look at it rationally and say, hey, you know how you're, you're tying yourself into a knot about this? Have you ever considered this? I think we also live in a world where it's not okay to make mistakes anymore mm. because of the way social media acts. Yeah, true. If you do something wrong, everyone knows about it. Everyone's got a camera. Mm. Everyone's going to tell you their opinion of it. So a lot of people don't try anymore. Yeah. I remember I did, uh, it was during the, the 10 week weight loss challenge mm. that I did. We did a, uh, it was like a practice of visual visualization. So, yep. you know, imagining the bar, you know, putting your hands in the right spot, you know, lifting to see if you could put yourself in, mm. in that sort of environment. But the example was making a gin and tonic. So picture yourself in the kitchen, you know, you're pouring the gin, mm, you can smell it. Yum. You can, you're putting the tonic in, it's bubbly, you oh, can feel it. I can feel it. Yeah, you're cutting the lime, you know, you can smell yeah. the citrus. And they went around the room and said, who, who, oh yeah, and people go, oh yeah, I can taste yeah. the citrus. And I went, no. No, I've got none of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a room sitting on a chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I, I feel. I feel my butt on but something. But I was the only one to do that. Mm. Now, I am pretty positive that I can say that half of the room also just felt like they were sitting on yeah. a chair. But we don't like the feeling of looking stupid in front of an audience. Yeah. Or to think that they, we can't do something. Yeah. So everyone goes, oh, yeah, I can, I can feel it. Yeah. You know? But that's, that's the problem. Not enough people are willing to go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, everyone wants to move with the crowd. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that's, that's where we're afraid to make mistakes is because we live in a world where, you know, it'll get broadcasted to everyone. It's not a good thing. I mean, we had a, we had a conversation earlier in the week where I said, I don't get riled up much mm. anywhere. You know, I won't have any displays of, of anger. Yeah. The only place where I will get wound up is driving by myself. Yeah. It was it was my own sort of psyche of thinking, well, I'm by myself. I can get angry and no one's going to judge me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we just, unfortunately, everything's broadcasted all the time. People don't take risks anymore. I suppose the, we need to. Mm. We need to. Otherwise, you become the factory worker. Well, one of the things that I've been looking into a little bit lately is music. Mm -hmm. Now, I think... you just discovered it? I've just discovered it. No, if you look at the music from what's doted as the greatest generation of music, which is, at the moment, the 80s, mm -hmm. it's interesting because it was formerly the 60s. So mm -hmm. people thought the 60s was the greatest generation of music mm -hmm. until it got to about the 2000s when they did the study again. People said it was the 80s that was the greatest generation of music. Now, a lot of that has to do with your imprinting. So you might not listen to music from the 80s, but your parents sure. probably did. And although, so it might have been on in the house 
when you were a kid. Yeah, it's familiar. It's familiar. Yeah. So you might not know all the words or things like that, but if it comes on, it brings back some form of yeah. nostalgia, right? But if you look at all of the people in the 80s, they were wild. Mm. <laughs> you know, wild hair. Mullets. Mullets. Perms. Perms. Lots of denim. <laughs> but they're not... You wouldn't consider them sort of, you know, airbrushed models either. No. Like the biggest singers of the time, you know, you had a balding Elton John. Yeah. You had Phil Collins. You had someone like, you know, Rod Stewart was considered a sex symbol. Just, I, I don't want to deviate too much, but uh, Tasha and I had noticed because we were watching some old 80s and 90s movies mm. where it was... It, a man could be bald and still sexy. Yes. Or is it's not the case no, now. Correct. Yeah. This, this and is... not even just bald, like skinhead bald, but the top section bald, like yes. the Frank Barone bald. Yes. You could still have that, um, like a, oh, what's what's the old guy's name that was in Westworld? He's the the bad guy in Westworld. Um, he so he was a good looking dude, uh, as uh, well forever. But he's he's had that gnarly bald cut. But he was still considered a sex symbol. Yes, and I think we we preferred talent over image yeah. back then. I think that's why that generation was so good musically. Mm. Whereas now it's, can I put you in a music video? Can I put you in a poster? Because not only do I want you for your music career, I also want you to sell this perfume and these watches. Ah, uh, right, right, right. So I feel like you're almost... Because like, you look at pop stars today, there is not one ugly one. Not one. You know? Can you think of any? Uh, what was the larger lady um, what, that she just got all skinny and now all the larger people have said that like she's turned on them? Is this Adele? Adele. Yeah, I guess, but you wouldn't say that she was unattractive. She was just a bit heavier. Yeah, true. That's true. That's true. You know, you didn't have the wild mullets like Phil Collins and still singing in the air tonight. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, Cause, that's and, actually Because the point. biggest surprise of the last sort of like five or six years, I don't know how long ago was, was like Susan Boyle. Yeah. So she came out and everyone's like, what's this mutt? <laughs> yeah, she is a boil, yeah. And then she banged it out because, she, like, she wouldn't be able to go into, you know, an agency by herself without going on national TV. Yeah. And what could she do? She'd be like, I can't market this. Isn't that something funny that they said about Billie Eilish? So I don't know any of the... I probably do know her music, but mm. I don't know who she is. But I kind of saw her dress as, like, a you know maybe tomboyish or something like that yeah. and then she did this like a vogue photo shoot or something mm. and she's been criticized f for that so her thing was she would wear yeah baggy t-shirts and things yeah. like that because she didn't want people to see her figure yeah she just wanted them to appreciate the music yeah so she didn't want to be considered you know a sex symbol or anything yeah. like that so that, that is someone up and coming who's trying to go the opposite yeah. direction but like, there's old interviews with Dio saying that MTV killed metal because everyone had to make a video clip. Ah. And this is where you got the poisons and things like that, where everyone was straightening their hair and wearing lipstick and, and things like that. Clam rock. Clam rock, mm. because they were trying to get on TV. And that's what, that's what killed metal in his generation, was we went to a more sort of visual place than we did actually appreciating 
the actual music. Is that is that what Pantera was pushing against? Because obviously they're not eighties, they're early nineties. Yes. And Pantera's like, nah, we're not we're not yes. doing any of the hair stuff. We're we're dressing up like hundred percent and normal stuff, and we're just gonna rip, tear hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I will say. So you talked about how the sixties was was the best and the eighties the best. I do notice these cycles in in what's hot culturally and i think 80s is coming back so i reckon if you kept any of you like the you know we spoke about watches mm. those watches that we're looking at they're 80s inspired watch mm. watches the fashion will come back to 80s the music will come back to 80s oh, have we run out of ideas well i mean you've seen in movies we're just doing remakes now so yeah. it does seem like we're running out of ideas but again i think we're still in the generation of you know, parents probably grew up in the 80s, so you've still got that imprint. If we go another 20 years in the future, you know, the 2000s, the 2010s might be the cool mm. stuff because that'll be the parents of that generation imprinting on on their children. Yeah, yeah. To find out what's cool. Yeah, but it is cyclic, so I think the big lesson out of it, don't throw your clothes out, old people. Well, just, <laughs> yeah. just keep them because then you get to wear them again. They're your size. Or if you sell them for like three hundred dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just add a margin to it because it's now like a punk chic or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, that's it's. So it's about. Well, you mentioned about moving against the crowd. Mm. You you think we're too eager to please, and you got to find a mentor. So it's. It's but is it benchmarking yourself off the right people and not ben, so not not benchmarking yourself over the entire audience. You want to benchmark yourself against someone that you've you've actually got some kind of respect for. Yes. Yeah. Correct. I think so, that's powerful. Yeah. Exactly. Find a mentor that you can you can grow with. It's okay to go with the masses if it's a good decision, but don't just do it be, just because it is with the masses. If it's against what your beliefs are. Yeah. I mean, you can. You can gain a lot of knowledge about following the masses because obviously if there's a lot of people into it, it can mean that it's a, a good thing. Mm. You know, a lot of people aren't going to buy a shitty product, for example. So if something's got lots of good reviews, chances are it's a, it's a good thing. Mm. But at the same time, don't just buy it because everyone's got it. You need to like it as well. Yeah. Your opinion is important too. It's, yeah, no, it is, it is a... I still think that the young people now will navigate this far better than I know that I did. Mm. You know, I, I mean, you, you and I are a different like generation because I think I'm a I'm an X. And X or Z? Z. I think I'm an X. Eighty six, born eighty six. I'm a disgusting millennial. No, so, so everyone okay? Everyone rags on millennials. They they rag on them hard. I I got caught in the in the millennial bashing when I when I was working, and then I realised that it's, it's it says less about them and more about us. We weren't willing to adapt to what millennials wanted. Millennials can achieve amazing things, but they just they see it smarter than the way that we're currently doing it. But that's every generation. Yeah, for sure. But but let's let's instead of ragging on about how bad this upcoming crop is. Well, look, look at yourself and go, well, it's only because my upbringing was different to what their upbringing is. But and every, every, every generation will do that. So every generation mm. will rag down yeah. and then the, that generation will rag up. Yeah. 
because they're like, oh, you want change. You should have seen what my parents did. I changed a lot from what my parents yeah. did. And they're like, yeah, but we want you to change again. Oh, no, but I already changed what my parents yeah. did. So everyone hates the generation behind. Yeah. You just push them shit uphill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. The only thing I've got negative to say about the generation ahead of me is that they, they had the best economic times. And they squandered it. This is true. Yeah. But work ethic, you know, they had very hard workers. But then, but not as hard of working as the generation before that. Like the the uh, post war. We the, had to build the, things. Yeah, during yes. war and post war, it was probably the hardest. The hardest times. Down all your pots and pans to make. Yeah, guns. probably the best times was like we we're saying at the start. The um, you know, nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, um, where some of the most economically prosperous times. Although, no, when was the nineteen twenty was the financial crash, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that you can, I almost feel like work ethic is tied to, in it, sh, it shouldn't be, or it's, it's tied to reward, mm. whether that be financial or status. psychological or status, work ethic is tied to reward. Mm. And I think we say that the previous generations potentially had a harder work ethic, but generally you could get something with what you worked for. I think the issue in today's society is there's so much emphasis on materialistic shit yeah that this generation is working but then squandering it on crap and then being uh, like oh, i'm i'm not really getting anything for my work like right. I, I don't have a house or a nice car it's like yeah but you've got like 16 fucking iPhones and yeah watches. interesting so okay so maybe it's not that I worked hard, I got a house. It's like you didn't have other shit to spend it on because the only other yeah. thing you were spending on was bread. <laughs> <laughs> so in Liam's world in the 1980s, there was houses and bread. And bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, the, the, it is an interesting point. So like if I'm kind of drawing a graph in my brain of like, so obviously we are making, oh, see inflation, inflation plays a role in it, but you're right, the amount of pure disposable shit has increased it's far easier to squander your money these days than it previously was Mm. and i think that because of that and because this generation hasn't realized that i'm not actually gaining anything from buying this iron williams belt Mm. i could i could just as easily buy a target belt yeah it would hold my pants up yeah but it's like, oh, I've allocated $200 instead of $10. Now I can't buy a house. Mm. So and now I'm grumpy because, oh, I did my 40-hour week at work mm. and my savings aren't there. It's like, well, you're spending it on microtransactions. Money, <laughs> yeah. big picture, big picture. Well, you're not investing it. You can't, yeah. And it's not necessarily their fault. Because that's all this society is, is targeted, yeah. targeted advertising. Yeah. You need to have this thing. I do need to have this thing. But if, okay, so if you can, if you're a young person now and you can navigate your way around that, mm. you've got, you've got, you're at a massive advantage. Huge advantage. So don't buy shit. Don't buy shit. Don't buy shit and, um, you know, the whole, the, invest. Instead of, instead of buying the new iPhone, if you put, if you put, what's an iPhone now? Two grand. They're not cheap. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that you can't spend your money. You can't take it with you. But at the end of the day, when you die, 
whatever you gained in your lifetime is gone. So don't live a life thinking, I need to hoard it all. Mm. That's one of the things that I do in video games. I'll pick up my favorite gun mm -hmm. and I will not use it. And I'll be like, because I need it. I might need it in the next level. Right. I'm, I, I might need it because this is a really good gun. Yeah. It does a lot of damage. Yeah. So I'm going to save it. Yeah. And I'll finish the level and I won't get that gun again. I'm on to the next <laughs> level. So absolutely spend it. So like do obviously yep. spend money. But you also need to look at investing long term. You know? Yeah. Psychologically, mm. financially, physically. You know, that's a, like, I, I know I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good now physically. I'm feeling better now physically than I ha have for a long time, purely because I'm lifting some stuff now. And I'm sure you are too. Yeah. You're lifting a lot more than me. <laughs> Trying to. A lot more than me. <laughs> but um, it's amazing what, it's amazing what a little bit of introspection, introspective, well, you made an interesting comment earlier in the week. So you said now that you're working for yourself and working less hours, mm. your need to buy, to treat yeah. yourself has gone down. Yeah. So you're not buying, you know, shiny shit. Yeah. And I think that we get it stuck in this culture of when everyone's together, people go, oh, look what I bought. Yeah. Oh, I need to buy something now too. Yeah. It's, they're here and they're working and I'm working. So I also need to buy something. Yeah. So your investments are smarter now that you're out of the big grindy machine. Yeah. I, I had said to just to put some, um, clarity around. I had, had, had a conversation with Liam saying that since I went from the 60 hour week to whatever my work week is now, I used to just constantly retail therapy, 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 thera Therapize, therapeutinate myself, and literally just you know every week just have something delivered to the house and big ticket stuff and damn stuff like, and ever since I started having that free time, I don't feel that need at all, at all. I'm not even looking at the stuff now. It just doesn't appeal to me. And and I was wondering if it was a reward system for myself. I worked I worked my ass off six days a week, did the sixty hours, and then. What am I going to do to make myself justify all that? Which is just, it's the gambling thing, isn't it? You just throw money at something to get no return. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting point. And, and look, I suppose you're going to be at a massive advantage if you are working 60 hours a week and reaping the wars of 60 hours a week. But instead of filling your bucket with shit, if you were smart about it, you might be able to jump out of that, uh, that industry really early. Well, that's it. You know, we work until... We're 70. Probably don't have to. Yeah. You know, we've just got a lot of shit. I won't be. I won't be. And on that note, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, like and subscribe if you've made it this far. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you on the next RDO. Catch you later.